All right, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Jesse, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals nail-biting win against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. But first, like the last podcast last Wednesday, I start off the podcast by congratulating FC Cincinnati on clinching their first ever MLS playoff berth. And they played their first playoff game this past Saturday in New York against the Red Bulls. And guess what? FC won in a nail-biter, 2-1. to one. So, once again, I'm going to stand up and give this team a round of applause. Well done, FC Cincinnati. Your first ever playoff appearance. You get your first playoff win. Congrats to them. Congrats to those true diehard fans. And now FC is on to the Eastern Conference semifinals in Major League Soccer. Their next game is against the number one seed in the East, the Philadelphia Union. That game's on Thursday at 8 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. FC tied at Philly in the first meeting, and then they pretty much handled the Union when they came to Cincinnati for the second meeting, 3-1. to one. So, Pat Noonan, the head coach in his first season, coached at the Union. So, it's kind of it's kind of ironic that He's going to play his former team in a playoff game. So, I think FC can do it. You know what? They got nothing to lose. I know the team and the players, they have bigger goals in mind than just making the playoffs. They want to win. They want to win the MLS Cup. So, you know what? Why the fuck not? So, good for them. And I hope they win. And I'll definitely be tuning in on Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Time to watch FC. Hopefully, beat the Philadelphia Union to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. This run by FC kind of reminds me of the Bengals' playoff run last year where the Bengals finally won their first playoff game in 31 years. And then they played the Titans in the divisional round. I'm thinking, okay, if they lose, I won't be mad. But I was actually feeling really confident the Titans were the one seed and they beat them. So FC is the five seed and they're playing the one seed union. You know, it's kind of almost like comparable. It's, it's almost the same, same route. So... Go FCC. Now off to our Cincinnati Bengals. Our Bengals. I feel like every single Bengal game, except for the Jets and Dolphins game, even though those games I was still stressed out, even though the Bengals didn't handle their business and it wasn't close, still, I was still nervous. Other than those two games, all these games have been really stressful, really close. And this game against the Saints... This is basically your 2022 Cincinnati Bengals. Another nail-biter. And they got the win, 30-26. to The Bengals are now 3-3 three and three in the season. They're now 3-1 and one in the last four games after starting the season off 0-2. And, and they're tied for first in the AFC North, which that's a, that's a big deal. And the homecoming of Joe Burr and Jamar Chase, Eli Apple, and Trey Hendrickson was a successful one. So, this game was very... It was all over the place because at the beginning... It didn't look well. We'll get to the negatives, but let's get to the positives. First off, Jamar Chase finally got loose. It's about damn time that Chase got loose. As Tony Romer said in the first meeting of the Bengals and Chiefs game last year when Chase went off for 266 receiving yards, Chase is on the case. And he was on the case last Sunday in New Orleans. Seven catches for 132 yards, two touchdown receptions, including a 60-yard touchdown 
reception, which proved to be the game winner late in the fourth quarter, pretty much at the two-minute warning. That gave the Bengals their first lead in the game. And we need to see Chase on the case because the first five other than the Steeler game where he had 10 catches for 10 first downs and 100-plus yards and, and a touchdown. After that, Chase has been contained. You know, defenses were pretty much bringing three people on him, triple team, even at times quadruple teams. And I could see Jamar Chase by his body language. He was getting, he was getting frustrated, and I get it. But the Bengals had to do something to get him involved. They tried doing that against the Ravens last Sunday. Or two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Trying to get him involved early with screen passes and option stuff. It didn't really work so well. He had an okay game. I was just waiting for Jamar just to go off. He was going back to his hometown in New Orleans. He had a lot of family members at this game. And I just had a feeling that Chase was going to finally break out for the first time since the week one game against the Steelers. So good for Jamar. Really happy for him, and just him and Joe Burr are just such a special connection. Yeah, there are teammates in LSU, especially in that 2019 team, which I believe is probably the best college football team ever. I mean, you got Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Joe Burr as your quarterback. Lord have mercy. Probably one of the, probably the best college football team ever. That connection Burr and Chase have is... It's pretty remarkable, and it's going to continue to get better and better. And they finally, they finally clicked in this game. And watch out, Lee. Watch out, because I feel like this Bengals offense is starting to turn around the corner. Tyler Boyd, second positive of this game. Tyler Boyd finally got involved early. He didn't have no, he didn't have zero targets in the first half. The Bengals finally throw the ball to him early and often. That was key to getting the offense momentum going. Six catches for 56 yards. Tyler Boyd needs to be involved early because he just opens up the playbook. He opens up the offense. And it was really, really good to see him just get involved real early. And he is such a – he's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Get him involved early. There's no reason, there's no excuse why that man should not have a target or more in the first half of a football game. Two times this year where he was targeted zero times in the first half. In this game, it was boom, 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 TB, TB. I'm like, yes, yes. And opened up Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Recipe for success. And obviously, let's talk about Joe Burr. You know, he had his homecoming too. Played at LSU. Had friends and family at this game as well. Joe Burr has been really been Joe Cool after the Steeler game. In this game, he was really good. 28 for 37 for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He ran for a touchdown that went 19 yards in the second quarter. That made it 17-14 Saints at that moment. And then, us Bengals fans, we've seen it last year. We've seen it this rookie year. Joe Burrow pulled a Houdini in the fourth quarter. So it's third and three. Bengals need to get a first down. Here comes pressure from the Saints. He was Joe Burrow started running around to escape a sack. He kept running, came back to the pocket, and he found Tyler Boyd for a huge third down conversion that kept that drive going. Even though the Bengals ended up kicking a field goal in that drive, that was still an important play. And we've seen Joe Burrow do his magic. Yeah, that was that was really clutch. And some people are like, 
why is Joe running around like that? Well, because, and no disrespect to Andy Dawn, who was the starting quarterback for the Saints in this game. At times, when Andy Dawn, he he, he would not make that play. And then Andy's semi-mobile. I think Joe's obviously better when it comes to moving around the ball, moving around as a quarterback more than Andy Dalton. I'm just saying Joe Burrow just wants to make a play. And sometimes he'll take the sacks and stuff, but when he makes that type of play like he did against, remember the Chiefs game in the AFC title game? Lady Pula Houdini Magic. He did it against the Steelers in the week one game. He's very good at just being such a mobile quarterback and getting away from pressure. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, but he knows how to find the receivers. That's why I love that guy. He's so cool under pressure like that. Andy Dolan, in the past, when he was with us, he would not make those plays. He'll probably take the sack or he'll probably throw an elevated throw that will probably be interceptions. No disrespect to Andy Dolan. And I said plenty of times in this podcast, I really like Andy Dolan, what he did for the city. And he did a lot of things for this organization as well. But I'm glad that Joe Burrow is our quarterback. After week one, Joe Burrow has thrown for 10 touchdowns, one interception. So to all the people that say, well, the regression of Joe Burrow after he threw four picks and he lost a fumble in that Steeler game, his haters are really quiet lately. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way. Even though Joe Mixon, the running game, wasn't the best in this game, Mixon still had a quietly productive day. He had some tough pass protections, especially in the late in the fourth, middle of the fourth quarter when the Bengals were driving the ball when they kicked that field goal. Burrow was sacked in back-to-back plays, and one sack was Mixon's fault because he didn't pick up the rusher that was coming after Burrow, and he went down like that. And I'm just like, oh. And Joe knew you saw Mixon. He he knew he didn't he didn't do his job. He didn't pick up that man. He saw the frustration because. It's like, that was my guy. And Joe Mixon's very good in pass protection. He really is. So that was very uncharacteristic of him to miss that play. But overall, Mixon had a quiet, productive day. Eight carries for 45 yards. Four catches for 23 yards, including a touchdown, the Bengals' first touchdown of the game. A total of 12 touches for 68 yards at a 5.7 per total yards Mixon's playing well lately. These last two games, we've seen the mixing of last year. It's good to see, and that's very important, as the Bengals' offense continues to just get confident, and they're finally, hopefully, starting to gel. They need to, and it's coming at the right time. You know, we had the the first beginning of the season, first couple of games. At times, it was rough, but I think now this offense is starting to figure each other out. And it's, like I said, it's coming at the right time. All right, here's another positive. In this game, the Bengals lined up in shotgun 52 of the 54 plays. And only two plays under center, which was the quarterback sneak. And then the quarterback kneel down to end the game. Is that going to be the plan moving forward? Is that going to be the team's identity and offense? Line up in shotgun? I saw a lot of that. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, you know what? This could work. This could work. Anything to do to get this offense rolling because they're too talented not to be scoring 27 points per game. Maybe this could be the Bengals' offensive identity. Who knows? I hope that is. The defense. We'll talk about 
the defense lack of run defense when we get to the negatives. But the Bengals defense has been really good this year. In this game, the offense picked them up. But defense still haven't allowed a second-half touchdown all season. So this six-game stretch by the defense is tied for the longest in the league since 2000. They're really good, and I, I give Bengals defensive corner Lou Amaruto credit. They didn't have their best game, obviously, but when it comes to holding the Saints to four field goals in the red zone, that's huge. That's, that's ball game. Key stops, even though the Saints were moving the ball pretty well in this game, when it came to the red zone, defense buckled down. Bend, but don't break. This is what the Bengals defense is this year. They're a really good they're a really good unit. They like each other. They execute well. Obviously in this game, there was some lows and also there was highs as well. And when they needed a clutch play, the defense were able to get it towards the end of the game. T. Higgins, he gutted out this game. His ankle. His ankle was the reason why he didn't play for the rest of the Ravens game two Sundays ago. And we weren't sure if he was going to play in this game, but he was able to play. He was active before the game on Sunday, and he had five catches for 47 yards, a long of 13 yards. And you're saying, those are not the best stats. To me, it is. He made some clutch catches in the second half that kept drives going. So T. Higgins, he, he's battling out there. And he did say after the game that the ankle, it was killing him. It was killing him. It was, it was a drag. And at the first half, you can tell he was very, he was very stiff. He was, you knew he was in pain, but he had to, he just, he had to get out there. And he did it because he loved his teammates. And that's what I love about T. Higgins. He's a fighter. So he had a really good game and Hopefully that ankle just continues to get better week by week because he might not be 100%, but I'll take T. Higgins at 85 to 90% because he is so important to the offense. And you can see it in this game, him being out there, the offense is very different. Even though he didn't put up big numbers, just him and his presence alone makes a huge difference. So, so good for T. Let's go to the defense side. Jermaine Pratt had a great day. Don't think we're talking about this more in this one. 14 tackles. Sam Hubbard had a great game. Seven tackles. Sam Hubbard is having his best season as a pro. And Jermaine Pratt needs to be appreciated more. And then Trey Hendrickson made a huge defensive play on third down. That gave the Bengals a chance to win. Huge. Because 26-24, the Saints get the ball with about two and a half minutes to go. It's third down. It was third and two, third and three. And the Bengals needed to get a stop. And the defense has been the beast the defense struggled in this game to on, on Sunday when it comes to getting off the fucking field. Because it just felt like Andy Dalton was converting third and long plays. Why? Because there was no pass rush. We'll get to that later. But when the Bengals needed a huge play on defense, Trey Hendrickson created pressure on Andy Dalton, forced him to throw an incomplete pass. At first, I thought it was a fumble, but Andy Dalton's 
throwing motion was going forward, so it was an incomplete pass. But that was huge. Gave the Bengals a chance. And then you know what happened. Burrow to chase 60 yards. Ball game. So shout out to Trey Hendrickson. Even though he made a bonehead play, that kept the Saints drive going on third and 25, hitting Andy Dalton real late, which I was like, dude, what are you doing? Can't have that. Can't have that. And Trey knows that. But he made it up for it with the huge clutch third down defensive stop. The offensive line played really good. Other than the sack in the first drive of the game on third down and then the two back-to-back sacks in the fourth quarter, this O-line played well. And shout-out to Alex Kappa, who has been dominant at the right guard position the last two games. Here's the stats in this game. Zero sacks, no pressures, no hurries, no quarterback hits allowed. 100% pass block efficiency. An 83.5 pro football focus pass blocking grade. Kappa has been really good for this team this year. Great addition to the line coming from Tampa Bay. In his last two games, he, every time I watch the offensive line, I watch him. I'm just like, man, he's just he's just moving people. And that's what the offensive line needs. And you obviously can see the offensive line is starting to gel. Leo Collins was really good in this game. Coming into this game, the Saints had Cam Jordan, who's probably been in the league for about like 50 years. But leading up to this game, I was afraid that Cam Jordan was going to cause tremendous pressure on us. And he was going to get to Joe Burr. He was going to beat Lyle Collins. And I'm just going to be like, oh, no. But I didn't hear Cam Jordan's name at all. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. So I, I believe that Lyle Collins... He's starting to come to zone. He really is. And I know we gave him a lot of shit in the beginning. I think that his back injury is the reason why for his play that wasn't the best to start of the season. But slowly but surely, hopefully that back continues to heal. Or that back is probably just going to be there for the rest of the season. But I think him and Karras and Kappa and Jonah. Jonah's playing really well lately. They're starting to gel. They're starting to gel. And I was listening to another podcast about two weeks ago. And they brought in an officer, a former officer line coach. And he was talking to them. And he said that when it comes to adding new pieces to our line, when it comes to just gelling and getting that cohesion going, it was probably going to take, he said, six to eight weeks. Now we're in week seven. And I think the offensive line is starting to, they're starting to gel. You can see that the communications, it's it's almost on point. Not there, I don't think they're there yet, but on a scale of 1 and 10, how confident I'm in the offensive line. Let's say after the Cowboys game, I was about at a 2.5. Now I'm at a solid 7. Still, there's still things that needed to work on, but overall, I'm in a better spot with the offensive line than I was four weeks ago. So, shout out to the Bengals offensive line. Okay, let's get to the negatives. And I was talking about how the Bengals defense was really bad when it comes to the run. They allowed 228 rushing yards, not having DJ Reader. 
is a huge loss. And hopefully, Rita will come back in the next couple of weeks. He was in the rehab field last week. So that's a good sign. But I'm guessing that he won't be back out there probably after the bye week. So I'm not a medical staff person, but... I think we're probably thinking the Steeler game or the Titans game that he might come back. Don't take that to heart, okay? Because I'm not a medical guy. I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to injuries. But Bengals need DJB to back. They really do. And despite B.J. Hill's crucial sack of Andy Dawn late in the fourth quarter in the Saints' final offensive drive, that was huge. The pass rush continues to be very weak at times and like I said with Trey Hendrickson and then the Bengals with the third down conversions there was just too many third and third and long conversions Andy Dahl and the Saints had that was so frustrating to watch at times you know why because they weren't getting to the fucking quarterback they need to they really do so that's one of the things I'm really concerned about. And I was, leading up to the season, I was concerned that the Bengals didn't really have an interior pass rush. They weren't, they're not getting to the quarterback like they did last year. They need to. They need to start doing that because I don't want to see quarterbacks just having all day to throw in the pocket and not even, not even getting hit in the line. Got to do that. Got to hit the quarterback. Got to get to them. Yo, the slow starts in the first quarter is getting really annoying by this team. <sighs> so the first offensive drive for the Bengals, three and out. Deep into this job, forced the Saints to a three and out punt. And then a muff punt by Trent Taylor, who never muffs the punt at all. I'm sorry, he didn't muff the punt. He fumbled it. That was a really good play by the Saints player, but still. That was very rare to see Trent Taylor, Mr. Sure-handed, and protecting the ball, fumble that. That's no-brainer on the road. And the Bengals trailed 17-7 and 23-14 at points in the game. It's very important for this team to start off fast. They did against the Jets. When they get off to a lead, good things happen. And then they did that against the Dolphins. They got off to a great lead have to just start fast because at this when the schedule is going to get tough okay we have to play the bills the ravens again you gotta play the buccaneers you have to play the patriots you gotta play the browns if people saying the browns well, it's still a divisional game eventually and you gotta play the titans eventually and the chiefs eventually those slow starts are going to come back to bite you. And the Bengals got to figure out how to get off the fast starts in games. They, When they get it off to a slow start, it usually happens in the first quarter. And then once the game settles, they're better in the second quarter. And honestly, they're better in the second half. But can we just get a four-quarter football game where everything is clicking? Maybe next, Maybe this Sunday against the Falcons could be that game. I hope so, but we should not take the Falcons lightly because they're actually not a bad football team. And Anna, there's no cakewalks in the NFL, okay? 
there's no cakewalks at all. Bengals linebacker Logan Wilson, he injured himself in this game. He left the game in the third, and they said it was a shoulder. Not the one he had surgery on in offseason. Now, Zach Taylor said on Monday, he said that it's going to be week to week. When I read that quote, I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's encouraging. I hope. I really hope so. Because, my God, we need Logan Wilson. He is the, he's one of the leaders in that defense. And he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And he does a lot when it comes to making plays, intercepting passes, stopping the run, making great tackles in the open field. He's, he, we need that guy. So hopefully his injury won't sit him out for like weeks. So week to week, I hope so. I really do. <clears throat> okay, here's some other things, right? Remember we were talking about Joe Burrow and his regression as his haters on social media say. So, after week six of last season, Burrow threw for 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Burrow, after week six of 2022, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions. Let me say again, LOL at the people saying that he is regressing. If you just take away the Steeler game, that man has one interception after week six. He is protecting the damn football. Mm-hmm. And I think Joe Burrow is just getting started in 2022. Yeah, I said it. And I feel like the offense is gelling. And him and Jamar, this game will probably be the turning point for them and also the offense. So watch out. Watch out, league. I'm looking at the AFC North right now, and it's everybody just continues to, it's like someone wins, and then the other team loses, and then the other team loses, and the other team wins. It's just like, it's, it's such an up and down division so far in 2022. Right now, the Ravens are leading the division. They're 3-3 three and three with the Bengals, but obviously they won the first meeting, so obviously they have the head-to-head matchup win right now. But the Ravens lost to the Giants, who, shout out to the Giants, they're 5-1 this season, such a great story. They lost to the Giants in New York last Sunday, 24-20. to The Ravens had a 20-10 to lead in the fourth quarter, and they blew it. So the Baltimore Ravens are really allergic to just not keeping double-digit leads in football games. I mean, they blew a 10-point lead to the Bengals, but the Bengals weren't able to win that game, unfortunately. They're lucky that the Ravens, I believe, they're, they're lucky they won that game. And then the Ravens blew that 21-point lead against the Dolphins in Week 2 at home. Then they blew that 20-3 lead against the Bills at home. And then they blew this game against the Giants on the road up 10. I don't know what to make about the Ravens. Really don't. They have their moments, and then they have games like this where it's like, hmm, maybe they're not the team we expected them to be when it comes to Super Bowl contenders. And I, Lamar Jackson, he's a great quarterback. But at times you can see, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. That interception he threw, like, 
He fumbled it, picked the ball up. Why try forcing it and just throw the damn ball away? Live to see another day. You didn't have to throw that. You throw a pick. You give the Giants great field position. And then they go on to score. And then Ravens try to get the ball back. Down four with about a minute to go. Jackson fumbles the ball. Game over. Giants win. <laughs> Ravens are almost like the Bengals. But, I, but the, obviously the Bengals have more talent. Don't come at me, Ravens fans. Don't. The Browns are two and four. They're in third place. Bengals are second place. They're three and three. The Browns got their asses kicked by the Patriots at home, thirty-eight to fifteen. The Browns are a joke. And then the Steelers, they're two and four as well, and they upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twenty to eighteen. Jesus, the, the, the Tampa Bay is not good. And Tom Brady needs to retire. That's a a mess right now. Steelers won that game because of how bad the Bucs play, but also the Steelers won that game because of culture. That was a culture win for them. But if I'm a Steelers fan, it's like, yeah, I enjoy that win, but it's like, oh, you kind of want the top five pick in next year's NFL draft so we can draft a damn quarterback. No disrespect to Kenny Pickett, but I don't think he is the guy. So go get a quarterback out of next year's draft. There's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out of college. So tank? I don't know if the Steelers are going to do that, but we'll see. We'll see. North is wide open. The North is wide open. The Bengals are right in it. So the Bengals finally play a home game. Finally. Feels like the Bengals haven't played at all at Paycor Stadium. The Bengals have only played two home games. The week one game against the Steelers, and then the Thursday night game against the Dolphins. The Falcons come into town 3-3. Three and three. Also, Desmond Ritter is the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Shout out, to the, shout out to Des. Go Cats. This game is very tricky because the Falcons are actually playing well. They handily beat the San Francisco 49ers last week, 35-14. So this is not going to be a cakewalk, as people say this was going to be the cakewalk part of the schedule. I hate that because there's there's no cakewalks in the NFL. And the Falcons can run the football. And our run defense has not been well ever since DJ Reader injured himself. And now he's out for the next couple of games. That's going to be a tough one. And then after the Falcons, the Bengals have a Halloween night game in Cleveland against the Browns. And then they will play home against the Carolina Panthers, who are really bad. They're 1-5. They just fired their coach last week. And then it'll be the bye week. And then they have a trip to Pittsburgh against the Steelers on Sunday night football. So, four games. I'm just looking at the schedule. After the Steelers game, you play the Titans. So, going into that Titans game... You wanna, you wanna believe that the Bengals will be at so they're three and three. If you can go at least three and one in this stretch, you'll be six and four heading into the Titans game in the middle of November. Gotta do it. And people say this is the easiest part of schedule. I don't think anything's easy in NFL, especially this year. But you gotta beat the Falcons. You gotta beat them. And I made a prediction score for last week against the Saints. 
and I said the Bengals will win 27-20. And usually I don't do that when it comes to score predictions, but I'm going to do it again this week. I think the Bengals coming home. I think the Bengals' offense is starting to gel. I have respect for the Falcons. I have respect for their run game. I think this game is going to be close. But at the end, I think the Bengals are obviously the, the more better team. I will say Bengals win this game 31-24. to 31-24 type of game. Right now, Vegas has the Bengals as a 6.5-point favorite. I mean, that's fair. But I just think the Falcons are a much better football team than they were last year in the previous four years. So this game is going to be a tricky one. If the, and the Bengals have to start off fast, especially on offense. you got to. You have to. You have to start off fast. Very important. All right. So let's see. What caught my eye in week six of the NFL season? Yo, Saul Scar knows the truth. Go Cats, like I said. The Jets, they they wax the Packers, and the Jets are four and two. And Sauce Gardner is probably the best cornerback in the NFL. Dare I say it? He is one of the best as a rookie. And that Jets team, I'm glad we played them back in week three, because if we played them now, I don't know. I, mean, I still think we'll win the game, but. Mm, they're, they're slowly starting to figure it out. Now, I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're like, oh my God, they're going to make the playoffs. But they have a bright future. They really do. And on defense, they're really good. Led by Sauce Gardner. So good for good for the Jets and good for Sauce. Because I'm really happy for Sauce, number one. And more importantly, the Giants. Like I said, they beat the Ravens. The Giants are 5-1. and one. And like I said in the podcast a couple of weeks ago with Tommy that... The Giants could be this year's Cincinnati Bengals of last year where they snuck up on people. I'm not saying the Giants are going to go to the Super Bowl, but I believe this Giants team definitely can win the NFC East. Yes, the Eagles are still undefeated in 6-0, but I think the Giants are probably the Eagles' biggest competition because I saw the Eagles and Cowboys game last Sunday night, and the Eagles were up 20-0, and they almost blew it, but they were able to put the Cowboys away. In the Giants, I think the Giants are definitely making the playoffs this year. So good for them. Good for the G-Man. Let's see. What else caught my eye in week six of the NFL? A lot of close games. A lot of close games. And like I've been saying on this podcast, there's no cakewalks in the NFL. Not this year. Packers are not good. I think Aaron Rodgers is... Packers are just... I think Rodgers is done. I think he's already past his prime. Not having Devontae Adams does stink for him, but Packers believe they missed their, their windows. Slowly, but almost done. Man, Broncos are just very inconsistent. They lost to the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football 19-16 overtime, and Russell Wilson just looks... He had a good first half, and then the second half... Slash overtime, he wasn't really good at all. Don't know what has happened to the Broncos. I'm the Broncos. We don't know what happened to Russell Wilson, but Broncos country, whack. I'm not going to say let's ride because that just gives me chills in the wrong way. Let's see what else, what else. I think that's pretty much it that caught my eye in week six. Obviously, the Steelers upsetting the Bucks. 
don't think Tampa Bay is as good as I think they were going to be this year. Hey, the Vikings are 5-1, my NFC Championship team representative. So good for them. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much what caught my eye on week six, all right? So Bengals-Falcons, Sunday at 1 o'clock. That game's on Fox, and that game is a home game at Paycor Stadium. FC plays the Philadelphia Union on Thursday night, 8 p.m. That's the Eastern Conference semifinal game. And I will see you guys after the Bengals and Falcons game on Sunday. And also, stay warm because now it's getting cold and Ohio weather is just really bipolar. Monday, Tuesdays, 40s. And then I see the end of the week is going to be like high 70s. Like, what's going on? And also, you see football. The 21st-ranked Bearcats football team. They had a bye week last week, and they're back in play on Saturday. They're taking on the SMU Mustangs at noon on ESPN. Hopefully, UC continues to keep winning, and the goal is to obviously win the conference, but also to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. I think that's it. And also, the, the baseball playoffs is going. The NLCS is the San Diego Padres and the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, I definitely guessed that. The Dodgers and Braves are out. And then ALCS, American League Championship Series, we have, okay, who won? Okay, the Yankees and Guardians, as I record this podcast, they're playing their Game 5 of the Division Series. And who won the other series? Who was playing? Oh, I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, the Mariners swept that. I'm not sorry. Pfft, I wish. The Astros swept the Mariners. So the Astros are waiting for the winner of the Yankees-Guardian series. And right now, I see that New York's up 4-1. to one. So it might be Yankees-Astros for the second time in three years in the ALCS. So that's your MLB playoffs update. All right, I'm out. You guys have a great week, and I will see you guys after the game on Sunday. Peace.